0: What's up, everybody? Ben back here from The Spotlight, part of the Next Level Podcast Network. And I am so, so super proud of this episode. This episode of The Spotlight is with character actor MC Ganey. If you're unfamiliar with MC, trust me, you know his face. You know him from movies like Con Air, The Wild Hogs, Breakdown, television shows like Lost, Justified, so many things that he's been a part of. And we talk about quite a few and still with as many projects as he's done that we talk about in this episode it it's it's a chip away from what uh what he's covered in his career this po- this conversation was so much fun. MC had me laughing to the point of tears a a number of times throughout this episode. He is such a down-to-earth, toes-in-the-sand, you'll get that reference when you listen to it, uh, guy, and he was so amazing to talk to. I've been a fan of his for a long time, and... It it didn't disappoint me one bit. The conversation that we had, uh, and the conversation's not over. Where he's definitely going to be coming back on the podcast in the future, and we didn't talk about Lost in this conversation for a specific reason, and that's because he is going to be joining me on my Lost podcast. We have to go back Lost Revisited. Uh, he's going to be joining me next week on that podcast. So I encourage. Everybody who's listening to this, if you're a fan of Lost and you want to know about his experience on Lost uh, throughout that course as Tom Friendly, uh, that's the name of his character, make sure you check out We Have to Go Back, Lost Revisited, and look for the episode with MC Gainey. If you're listening to this this week, right after launch, uh, next week is when you will be able to hear that episode, so make sure you listen, because if you enjoy this episode... Of this, uh, you're definitely going to enjoy that when Kristen and I get to talk to him exclusively. Just about lost. Uh, again, so much fun with with uh, with MC. I can't wait for you guys to hear this. So I'm not going to take up any more of your time. Sit back, relax, and please enjoy this conversation as much as I did with MC Gainey. It's
1: the next level. This is T.J. Miller. Hey, this is Lucky Yates. Hey there, this is Jimmy Simpson. Hello, this is Brad Sherwood. Hi, this is Claire Coffee. This is Andy Denny. Hey there, this is Kevin Duran. Hi, I'm Chris Parnell. Hey, this is T.J. Sines. Hey, y'all, this is David Hoffman. You are listening to Level Have fun.
0: All right, everybody, my guest in the spotlight today is an actor who I guarantee you, you've seen his face before. He's worked with some of the biggest names in Hollywood from producers like jerry Bruckheimer, directors like quentin tarantino actors like kurt russell steve martin john travolta uh you know him from movies like con air wild hogs uh tv shows like lost and justified i am so damn excited to welcome this gentleman into the spotlight please welcome the one and only mr mc gainey
1: well, good morning, Ben. It's nice to be in Philadelphia.
0: Yes, I am so, I'm so well, d- d- virtually in Philadelphia, I
2: guess.
1: the, hey, the phone conversation. It's nice to be virtually in Philadelphia, Ben. <laughs> I, can I, almost, I can almost smell those those uh, those cheese sandwiches coming from Pat uh, and Mike's. Away, away, away. Well, it's so funny. You know what? It's so funny that you
0: bring that up, too, because in my research, I, I had no idea this was something about you. I just recently found out you're a vegan, aren't you?
1: Long-time vegan, brother. A physical, but medical, spiritual, emotional, moral vegan. Yeah. Haven't eaten an animal in years and uh and and don't intend on it. But I'll tell you what, I have had some good vegan uh, cheese sandwiches uh, uh, uh,
2: uh, uh cheese, Are the, you the, cheese Yeah, <laughs> I mean
1: that, Yeah, you you don't have to. You don't have to miss out on the flavor because you don't take the life. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, and it's you know what it's. I I pride you on that too because I mean I'm somebody I'm I'm not a vegan, but I do watch what I eat. And you know you're right. I've tried some of those vegan options, and there's some things out there that are just like you would never know that you're not Uh, eating
1: meat. Absolutely, and and, uh, it's absolutely true. And it changed a lot uh, in the last ten or fifteen years. I mean, 15 years ago, I think back to Woody Allen's joke in Annie Hall when they have an exterior shot where he's sitting in The Source, which was one of the first health food uh, restaurants in L.A. It was on the Sunset Strip, and he orders a plate of mashed yeast. It makes makes this terrible face like, oh, my God. Well, that's that's when I went into it. I thought that's what you had to eat was mashed yeast and and, uh, chickpeas. And uh and little did I know that uh it was all gonna come around and now it's a question for me in Los Angeles, do I want pizza? Do I want uh Mexican? Do I want uh barbecue? What what do I want? It's all there, it's all vegan and it's freaking delicious, man. Yeah, it's become and, uh, it's become yeah, a lifestyle. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it is and I mean for me a lot of it started out as a health thing. I uh I was not a not a healthy individual from based on what I was eating and uh I, I, at one point had to start taking blood pressure medication and within three or four months of eating a vegan diet, I could stop taking that medication. And, uh, and that, you know, my beautiful wife has been a vegan for longer than I have. And, uh, she's a great cook. That's and
2: I'll awesome. tell you what,
1: Ben, if you were here, if you were out here and you came by and ate and stay, stayed with us for a couple of days and ate, uh, you would, uh, you would be eating a lovely, a lovely selection of food and you would not have to eat any animals, so yeah, I, I know I, a lot of people tease me about that, and, and it's okay. And I, I like, I think I'm an advertisement for it because I don't get cheated in life, brother. I'm having a good time. I have, a am trying to have as much fun as I can every day in every way. And eating vegan is fun and delicious. So yeah, yeah, uh, I've, yeah, but.
0: It's something I would never poke fun at you for. I have friends who are vegans. I know, you know, a lot of people in my life that uh, that are either vegetarian or vegan. And, yeah. again, I, I pride them on making that decision. It's it's not anything I've made that leap for in my choice. But, again, I, I you know, I do watch what I eat, yeah. and I eat a lot more carefully than I well, used to. Well, that's good. Before. Yeah,
1: I, I know. I saw, I saw what you look like, Ben. You look like you're in good shape, pal. Whatever you're eating, you're doing okay. It's, <laughs> I try. Uh, it's just, I, yeah, I just wanted you to know that it's uh, it's not that hard. To, to eat vegan now it's a lot easier than it used to be and a lot more delicious. I like the great yeah. vegan and it. Philly Philly actually uh, has a a, a great uh, vegan scene.
0: Yeah, the the restaurant scene in Philadelphia, which I mean, unfortunately, the restaurant scene everywhere is struggling at the moment. But uh, yeah, you know, right yeah, now. Philadelphia has definitely come up as far as the restaurant scene goes in in different cuisines, everything from you know international cuisines to vegan cuisines, and it's it's been a, it's mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun living here, especially being somebody like a foodie like
1: myself. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. Uh, it's a it's a great town, great town, man. You. You, 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 I'm assuming you uh, grew up there, and so that it was a choice that was uh, given to you when you in your life. But if you chose to go there, you'd be choosing a cool place to be.
0: I actually grew up in New Jersey, and then crossed over. Yeah, the,
1: yeah
0: <laughs> crossed over right the bridge, the,
1: right across the bridge. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah right. <laughs> yep. I, I crossed the bridge around '96 over here into PA, and I haven't left since. So I'm. Uh, yeah. It's uh, it's been nah. a, it's been a fun ride.
1: As the great Charles Hallahan used to say, yeah, uh, when you go to East Philly, find out you're in Jersey.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's there's a lot of truth to that statement right there. So I wanna I wanna start by saying, you know, we we got that out of the way, and I'm glad we talked about that because that was something I wanted to bring up. But um, I have to say, and this is this is not me blowing smoke up your ass one bit. You are somebody I have been a fan of for a long time. You are someone oh. who. Anytime I watch a movie or a television show and I see your face or I hear your voice, it automatically takes the enjoyment of what I'm watching up to another level just because I've known your face for so long and I've known you as an actor for so long that it's it's just warming a little bit to see your even if you're somebody who's chasing and trying to kill kurt russell it's <laughs> you know it's it's one of those situations yeah. where it just makes it makes it enjoyable to see you pop up and things that i'm watching.
1: well i i, I listen i won't I, I, I don't i've never had smoke blown up my ass but i always <laughs> thought it sounded like a good time but i will say that uh, i appreciate that that's very kind i appreciate that and uh, ben and and uh if I'd known that I hell I would have called you before. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I, mean, I, I I really appreciate that man. I have uh I have uh, a kind of face that uh that uh, they knew what to do with me in this business. They had an idea of what I should be doing and uh, uh so I just sort of feel like I've just been really lucky to do it, uh to be able to do it and uh, I really appreciate uh, hearing from somebody that actually is happy to see me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that,
0: bro. You know, yet your face is so recognizable. I mean, even it's not even that. I mean, like the moment you called and the moment you said hello, like I I got that feeling because your voice is just as recognizable to me as as your face is. I mean, going into something like Tangled, you know, where you mm. played the Captain of the Guard, the moment you popped yeah. up and your character started talking, I'm like damn it, that's M.C. Gainey. Like, I know exactly who that is.
1: Yeah, you know what? You know, it's funny. I got, I got that job. I, I don't really do voices. I, I, I mean, I have a lot of friends who do, and they're great at it, and I've never been able to get many jobs doing that. But uh, the, the one of the producers of the movie, Tangled, was a friend of mine in acting school. And uh, uh, he called me one day, and he said, we've got this character in this movie, and he looks like you. Uh, would you be interested in doing the voice? And I said, Well, hell yeah, of course I would. And not having any idea what a uh, what kind of door that was opening, but uh, yeah. So I, I the funny thing is, usually you get a job a voice job because the way your voice sounds. I actually got that job because I look like that guy, <laughs> or at least I, I used to. In regards to wearing like a thirty six inch waist uh, waistband, I don't think I can fit in that costume anymore. But man, I love that character. And in the t- once they did, we did the TV series on the Disney Channel, uh, the Captain of the Guard got, was fleshed out, excuse the expression. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, he had a, he had a child, and and uh, I mean, it's like it was a wonderful character and, and so much fun to do. That uh, uh, man, I'm really I'm, I'm all in on it now. I love it. I would rather do voiceover work than than almost anything now.
0: Well, I think there's a lot more ease to the voiceover as well, too, I mean, because, you know, instead of, you know, out on a set and, you know, weather weather conditions and things like that, you know, you're in a studio, you're standing in front of a microphone, you're reading lines, so I think there's a lot more ease to things like that rather than... You know, yeah, there, on ab- a there
1: absolutely is. Uh, yeah. And you can, you can uh, dress any way you want to. I, I'm, uh, yeah, I, 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 there was a, a recently a guy talking about a wonderful in- interview he did with Marlon Brando years ago, obviously. And he flew to Teshi Aurora in Tahiti to do the interview. And when he got off the plane, uh, Brando met him and pointed at his sandals and said, you're wearing the wrong kind of sandals. Those are South American sandals in in the Pacific in the, in Tahiti. That, that's not what we wear. And he and Brando told him that amongst the people in Tahiti, the the amount of respect you got was really about the distance between your toes, hmm. how widespread your toes were, which means that you weren't wearing shoes, which you're wondering what the hell that has to do with Tangled. It's because <laughs> I can be barefooted. I can go barefooted <laughs> into the studio at Tangled and do the cap and the Guard. And anytime I can go without shoes, it's a beautiful thing. Now, I'm going to tell you, out of, out of respect for you, I put on shoes today. I don't <laughs>
2: think on
1: these days because uh, we're a lot. We're a lot my beautiful wife and I are, are uh, running around our house and, you know, and our, our grounds of where we live, and, and we're barefooted a lot. And, but today I woke up and said, I'm going to put on some shoes and my pants while I'm talking to Ben, but I'm telling you right now, I just took my shoes off Ben, because you're so, you're folksy and I like you. So my toes are now spread. And, uh, if, if we, if you want to, we could do a, we could do a little captain of the guard stuff right now, because I got the costume. (laughs) I do have to wear pants. You have to, I mean, you probably don't have to. I mean, I, the people I work with on Tangle, if I went in and said, I'm going to take my pants off, they probably would have said, go right ahead, because they're a wild and adventurous group at Disney, which a lot of people don't know. There are some some genius, free-thinking, crazy sons of bitches that, that do stuff at Disney behind the camera.
0: Yeah, there's, uh, you look at some of those yeah. Disney projects, too. I mean, Tangled is one of my favorites. I mean, I, I'm constantly getting into debates with my friends over, you know, there was the the, the big Frozen uh, resurgence, oh. you know, with Frozen and oh. Frozen 2. And, you know, yeah, I, const- yeah. I constantly tell my friends, I'm like, no, I'm like, Tangled is still better than Frozen. Still to this day is yeah, better to, than Frozen. I
1: appreciate that. I have to tell you that uh, when, I, when I first got to know Quentin, he told me that he loved that movie so much that he actually voted for Tangle on his Oscar ballot as one of the pictures of the year. He thought it was that well made. And uh, yeah, I, I dug that because I yeah I like it. But I grew up on Disney. I mean, back I, I'm much older than you are, Ben. I mean, back when I was a kid, Pinocchio scared the living hell out of me, man. I don't know if you've seen Pinocchio ever or it oh, yeah. a long time.
2: I, oh Oh my seen god.
1: It. Oh my god. Roll a big fatty, sit home <laughs> and, uh, late at night by yourself and watch fucking Pinocchio. It's almost as scary as the. <laughs> 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 it is. It, and there's some wild and crazy people that made those movies and drew them and colored them. And uh, it's just, it's a, uh, yeah. That's ai uh, I can't believe I'm having a wonderful conversation about Disney right off, man. Yeah. It's a, uh, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, Good job. So I'm barefooted now, Ben. I'm ready. I'm ready, I, buddy. I, I appreciate
0: up? that. I appreciate that you're getting comfortable for this, man. That means a lot that you're comfortable enough to take your shoes off, and that's. Uh... I,
1: I am. man. I, w- I wanted to be professional here and be, and be ready to talk, but it's just, <laughs> it's just you and me, Ben. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm barefooted.
0: Hey, now. I I love having these. You know what? It's it's so funny. I'll I'll bring this up. I very rarely bring this up on inter- on conversations, <laughs> but I I treat these as conversations. I never treat these as interviews. I love to just talk one on one with people. People, and that's yeah. what, you know, that's what makes them fun. Uh, you know, a lot of people, I don't know if a lot of people remember this, but, you know, we talk about how long your career is and working for Disney. Tangled is not your first foray with Disney.
1: You were the oh, limo God driver. No. You were the limo driver in the Mighty Ducks. The Mighty Ducks. Oh, my God. Yes, <laughs> I was. And and knew nothing about hockey. I, had no, I mean, I grew up down south. I'm a Mississippi, New Orleans from that, from that network. And I, I had no idea what hockey was about. But, uh, uh, yeah, Mighty Ducks, uh, uh, Meet the Deedles. There's one that nobody, nobody ever saw. The Country <laughs> Bears. Oh, I mean, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I, I go way back with Disney. Walt and I, we were, we were buds, you know. <laughs> not, not really.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned growing up in Mississippi, you know, and, and looking into, you know, your backstory and things like that. I'm I'm very curious. What made you make the jump
1: from being a mortician to an actor. Okay. Mortician was not something I ever wanted to be. Okay. My mother, my mother was a wild and crazy broad. She was a lot of fun. And uh, she met, She was married several times. And her last husband was an undertaker in a small town. And, uh, be, and, and so I had to work in the funeral home. I had to do stuff. I had to be an undertaker's assistant. I had to be the embalmer's assistant. I had to uh, pick up bodies, all that shit. And I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand it. And I was constantly trying to back out of it. And he really, you know, wanted me to to take over. He was an older gentleman at the time. And uh, he was in the third act. Let's put it that way. And uh, so I kept backing away and backing away. I couldn't do this. I couldn't do that. Finally, I wound up being the grave digger. I managed to back all the way out to the grave. <laughs> and the reason I like that part of it is because you get out there and you dig the grave. You put the grass over the dirt. You put up the tent, put the chairs, put the flowers out. And then we would fuck off and go up in the woods <laughs> while all the people came out and cried and all, and all that stuff. And, uh, but it wound up being very fortuitous because one of my earliest acting jobs was uh, as a eulogist. Okay, and uh, and that is when you look. when I look back on it. it, it that's an acting job. You yeah, know, I, I, I guess somebody's yeah. life story at the funeral. That's eulogizing someone is an acting job, particularly if it's somebody you didn't know. <laughs> it's like being a disc jockey with three records you know I mean? you, <laughs> yeah because you, you, you,
0: you have to portray emotion behind that and it's emotion oh. for somebody you've never met yeah yeah you're right that's absolutely acting at that point
1: and, and also i'm i'm 100 irish and if people start crying i'll fucking start crying too <laughs> and so the grief the grief the grief in that business killed me so that was never really a career choice that i was going to stick with i yeah. can tell you that there was nothing in that business that, I, that was going to hold on to me. But, uh, uh I was lucky to, I was a folk singer before I was an actor. Nobody knows that. And nobody cares, believe me. Nobody wants to hear me sing, but, uh, I, I was glad to find, to discover acting so that I could leap from the South. I could escape I, because mm-hmm. you, it was, back then it was impossible to be a working actor in the South because there weren't many things going on down there now. It's hard to get out of there now. It's like <laughs> everything's either in New Orleans or Atlanta or New Mexico. Yeah. Uh,
0: so, I mean, did you start with stage and things like that before moving into actual Hollywood? Uh, you know, behind oh, yeah. the camera Oh, acting? Oh,
1: God, yeah. Oh, yeah. I started, yeah, I started someplace. After I got out of the Army in 1970, I went back to college uh, with no, no real ambition I, other than I wanted to get every dime of the GI Bill. Mm -hmm. And so I found the cheapest college I could go to because the GI bill is like 150 bucks a month. And, uh, so I, but I wound up make a long story short. I wound up meeting some people in the theater department and I was completely taken with the, the wonderfulness of being in the theater department and I started doing plays. And after I'd taken all the acting classes they'd done, they had there, I moved on and went to New Orleans and, and, and did regional plays and community theater and, and uh, then I went to, to San Francisco and went to acting school at the American Conservatory Theater for three years. And uh, when I came to Hollywood, I did plays for a couple of years. I mean, I, I did more uh, nothing but plays for, for many years before uh, they ever pointed the camera at me.
0: Okay uh, yeah I mean you you, you have uh, you know again I mentioned it again how long your career is I mean you know when I look back at your credits and, and such you know the first movie you ever did was back in 1975 and you know 1981 was Pennies from Heaven with Steve Martin and Bernadette yeah. Peters and I mean I was born in 79 so you've been acting as long as I've been around um, you know but uh, you know your career does it is it kind of rough? Because I look at it, I, I look at you as more of a character actor. and you that, know, Yeah,
1: absolutely. As, so do I. And that's, and that's all I ever wanted to be and all I ever anticipate being. Okay. And I've been really successful at that, too. I am a character actor who doesn't have to deal with the fame of, uh, uh, of you know, well, uh, more famous people, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, and that's what I was going to ask: is if it, if it was rough just being a character actor, if it was something that's that's just what you wanted? Because you're right, there are plenty of other actors out there who have made careers, very successful careers, out of just being a character actor.
1: Oh yeah, uh, it's a lot more fun too. Yeah, a hell of a lot more fun. Yeah, I did. You know the uh you. <laughs> If you come to Hollywood and sometime within the first two years you're here, you find yourself number one on the call sheet, then you probably look like Brad Pitt.
2: Yeah. You
1: know, what I mean, it's like he's a great actor, but also a really good-looking guy. Well, that was that was not my bag. <laughs> my bag was uh, I look like somebody who might club you into submission, or uh, or shoot you, or whatever you know, at the drop of a hat. And I was really I was I felt really good about that because. Uh, what I really wanted to be was Alan Hale. I wanted to be a sidekick. Uh, that was my that was my career desire. I wanted to be the sidekick for somebody. Yeah. Uh, Alan Hale. Alan Hale Senior or the Junior was the, the skipper on Gilligan's Island. Not talking about him. Alan uh, Hale Senior was uh, uh, was uh, Errol Flynn's sidekick in Robin Hood and you know a dozen different movies. I mean it, he was always somebody's sidekick. And I thought, I, I just dug sidekicks. They were the ones I was interested in when I saw movies. And I thought, I like the way a good, a great sidekick reflects the hero's glory to the audience and fills in the gaps in the hero. The hero's busy wooing the leading lady, and, and, uh, and uh, he's, sometimes he doesn't get to show all that he can do. And the, the sidekick can reflect that. So that's what I really wanted to be, was the sidekick. And I've had the opportunity to do that uh, several times. And I, and I really love that. So, yeah, yeah A character actor. character actor is what I wanted to be. And I feel blessed uh, for, uh, for being able to be that.
0: Well, I mean even there's a lot of other freedoms I think that come with being a character actor as well and that you know you mentioned the comparison to Brad Pitt and that you know Brad Pitt is somebody who you're right he's number 1 on the call list but he has to deal with paparazzi constantly you know and yeah. there's all that extra attention that comes with it whereas being a successful character actor like yourself you have the option you now you now have the ability to relax at home without being bothered you can walk around freely to farmers markets and things like that without constantly being mm-hmm. bombarded with attention but but you still have the success, you know, in, yeah. in Hollywood.
1: I, I have I have enough attention focused on me by general people. Uh, for many years, it was a question of uh, people would see my face and they would go, okay. They would say, uh, aren't you a fireman? Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, or uh, did you put the roof on my uncle's garage last year? They they knew, they recognized the face, but they had no idea that I was an actor. And then as time went along, they would go, yeah, we I know you're an actor, but I don't, what have you been in? Don't know. And then it got down to the, once the iPhone came in Then it, it everything changed because somebody in a restaurant can see your face and go, Oh, that guy was in, Oh yeah. He was in justified. And so they can punch a few buttons on their phone and now they know your name and who you're married to and when you were born and, yeah. and they ha- they got your whole life story in their hand. So then it gets, it took me a while to get used to people saying, Oh, Mr. Ganey, can you do Mr. Ganey can that, whatever. But, uh, yeah. You know, it's a funny thing. I never thought about this, but Brad Pitt is still, still too famous to be a sidekick. Because in the in the Quentin's last movie, uh, he was the sidekick, and he was brilliant. He was, it was one of the greatest sidekick performances ever. When he looks out the window at Leo and says, "Don't forget your fucking Rick Goldman," and and don't fucking forget it, and <laughs> don't let him see you crying, and you know all of that. He was a brilliant sidekick. Uh huh. Rick Dalton, whatever. My wife, <laughs> the room, don't whatever Rick, whatever. And but he was a sidekick. It was a sidekick role, but he's such a star that a lot of people thought he should have been nominated for best actor as well. You know, because he dominates that movie. He's fucking wonderful. But yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, I can I can't I can't say that I have anonymity, Ben. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that my days of robbing liquor stores are over <laughs> because I'm not going to get away with it, man. The guy's going to say, yeah, no, he came in and he robbed me. He pointed and robbed me and It was, it was that guy from Dukes of Hire. Yeah. <laughs> the, you know, it, uh, so I'm curious,
0: you know, when you, when you do walk out and you have those people that say like, I know you're an actor, but I, I, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> what, what do you think is the number one thing you're most recognized
1: for? Well, okay, let me bound me say that uh, that's a tough question to answer but let me, by answering, let me say that i generally will will try to guess okay what they know me from, so that gives me something to do i generally will uh, will ask them a couple of questions just to get them talking so I can try to figure out maybe how old they are, where they're from, what I try to guess what they may have seen me from, and uh sometimes I get it sometimes sometimes I, I don't, but I would say it's changed from it changes from time to time. Uh, lost was huge, of course, Yeah, of justified, course, yeah. justified anything that the eyes have fallen on, you know, and nothing, re- I, I don't think anything really compares to lost, uh, in terms of just the numbers. And the interesting thing to me about it was not uh, how many people, it was the different kinds of people and how they approach you. The lost fans, I'm going to say are, were a more I'm gonna say a more educated audience and I don't mean in school terms, I mean they watched every episode of Lost very closely.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They paid attention to who everybody was. They tried to they, they paid attention to it in a way that maybe uh people watching the tv series dukes of hazard which i did an episode of too ma- that maybe they didn't watch that close if somebody came up to me and said oh yeah i remember you because you were uh uh earl on uh dukes of hazard the tv show i would be like whoa dude you need to get out more okay <laughs> i was in one episode and all i did was hold the whole gang hostage and uh, i mean but uh, the lost people really, really really were on top of that the uh Strangely enough, the one that nobody ever recognizes me from—maybe it's not so strange—is Sideways. When I, I get a big kick out of telling people, that's where I like to go when people say, "What were you in?" I always go to Sideways because a) it was a very popular movie; a lot of people saw it. Yeah. And b) nobody was looking at my fucking face. <laughs> so they say, "Oh no, you've seen me in a movie." Yeah. <laughs> and they'd be like, "No, oh, no, I have." I saw sideways. Who were you in Sideways? Aha! Yeah! <laughs> I bet if I drop more... my pants right now, you go, "Oh yeah, I recognize <laughs> that prank right there." Yeah, exactly. There.
0: Exactly. You've seen more of me than you probably liked in Sideways. Yeah, more
1: than indeed. and that's the horror, the horror, horrible thing for them. Is then when they realize, there generally generally is a a realization that oh my god, oh my god. Yes, no. That's one of the worst moments of my life was seeing you in that. Yeah, but fortunately, <laughs> once they put it on TV, they came up with a lot of ways to to do that. I mean, I've seen it when they actually took a computer and put a black speedo on me. And I've seen it when they when they have a black they fuzz. They have a black border on the bottom third of the screen. And I mean, and sometimes they just cut that scene out. <laughs> So if, if you saw it on TV, that you, that's not a problem. But, I'm actually uh, yeah.
0: Su- yeah, I'm actually surprised they didn't make you shoot that scene twice because a lot of times nowadays, mm-hmm. anytime there's anything with nudity, they usually film it twice. And they call them, I guess they, they're called like air, airplane versions um, mm-hmm. so that they can show them like on network television and airplanes and not have to worry about, you know, censoring or, or cutting or anything like that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, no. I, Alexander Payne would not have done that. Uh, you know, <laughs> Alexander is one of these guys just got his own way of doing things. It's a really funny thing. Alexander Payne and and uh, uh, and Clinton both have some things in common that I really like. Neither one of them uses wants to use a video village. Uh, they Clinton Clinton kneels down by the camera, and you perform for him. He's watch. He's directing you from next to the camera. Mm-hmm. And he, and he can do that because his DP, Oscar Bob Richardson is, you know, he, he knows what's supposed to be getting shot. So, and Alexander's the same, the same kind of way. So, uh, yeah, they, they have certain uh, things about them and they have earned the right to do what they want to do <laughs> clearly. Yeah. And, uh, and they do, and they do. And, uh, that's, you know, that's part of what makes them so gives them the confidence they have, but yeah, I, I'm glad I didn't because it was bad enough to be naked. But if I'd been, you know, if I'd been wearing a speedo, that would have been that would have been embarrassing. <laughs> I, mean, I truly was not embarrassed by this. I mean, I was tickled by it because I was in Alexander's first movie, and so he already knew that I was a fat fuck. I mean, it's one thing if you if you have a an athletic build and you're getting naked, you know, like DB Sweeney, DB Sweeney, drops Tral, he's he's got nothing to be ashamed about. Uh, I should have been ashamed, but I was not. And I was really excited to do it because I thought I will never get the chance for the police department to block up a city street, (laughs) so that I can have the whole street. And they paid everybody on the street that to stay indoors. So you know, and I as I was running down the street, I could hear them giggling. I could hear I could hear children inside these houses giggling, giggling. Apparently, I mean, I could hear them laughing. I'm like, I laughed, you fucking saw him. And uh so I was completely with, without shame. I mean, when Alexander called, literally he called and asked me if I would be interested in doing his being his movie, the next movie. I said, Yes, of course. He said, Well, you you may think about it. I said, I don't need to think I, I want to well, you may want to talk to your people, I said, Well, I, what the fuck what I'm not talking to any people about this, I wanna do it. He says, Well, you gotta be totally naked in this scene. I said, Oh, I'm in, man. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm so fucking little. So uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I should have been ashamed, but I wasn't. And one of the greatest moments of my life was at the premiere of that movie, which was shown on the big screen. And my junk was the size of a '68 Datsun pickup truck. And, and when we came out to the little party afterward, all these people were coming up, going, "Oh man, funniest cock I've ever seen. That's so funny. Oh, your cock was so so funny." And my fucking beautiful wife was standing there. She was going, Oh my God, are we going to have to go through the rest of our lives with people talking about your junk every week? Said, ah, for a while, yeah, not forever, but for a while. So yeah. Yeah. And that was just, that was a benefit. That was a, a benefit that you got thrown in. But oh. uh, yeah, I forgot what the question was. That's, that's
0: quite all right. I'm no lie. I'm sitting here wiping tears from my eyes. I'm dying. This is great stuff. I absolutely love it. Um, yeah, I mean, you know what? <laughs> while while we're on the topic of some of your projects, like there's a couple that I want to bring up specifically just because I'm I'm huge fans of them and you know Well, uh- if
1: I've seen them, if I've seen
0: them, I can talk
1: about them. If I haven't seen them, I can talk about them.
0: Well, so I mean, the first one. I mean, obviously, you mentioned Lost already, and that's a big one. But we're we're gonna kind of hold that because you're gonna be joining me on my Lost podcast, and we're I just gonna indeed. we're just gonna be talking nothing about Lost. So, any of my audience members who are listening to this who want to hear the conversations about Lost, they're gonna go over to that podcast. But
1: um, oh, I'll, I'll I'll spill the dirt, I'll spill the tea on on that for you, man.
0: Oh, I can't wait! I'm so looking forward to that. Um, but uh, Con, let's talk about Con Air because that's a <laughs> oh. movie. I still adore to this day, and I love my one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in your yeah. character, Swamp Thing is, you know what? A lot of people don't think about this, but the more times I've seen this movie, there are times that I think, you know, when it comes to you know uh, Nicholas Cage's character and your character, if, if if one or two things had changed, that movie would have played out very differently with Swamp Thing possibly having even been an ally.
1: Of... Oh, I, oh! I think he, he, he absolutely, he absolutely was. There's an example of. Okay, it's hard. I, can't, I have to, I have to warm up for this a little bit. Okay, <laughs> let me do it. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start out by telling you, I honestly, will just briefly tell you that just before I did that, I did breakdown, mm-hmm. and breakdown, breakdown was brutal. Breakdown was a cast of five people, and so there was no social life in it at all. And Kurt had just done 16 weeks on uh, uh, Escape from L.A. And so he flew, he was in Malibu. He he was picked up in a private plane in Malibu and flown to location every day that he worked. And so he'd get there about 10 and he would leave about 2.30. So there was nobody to party with. Nobody wanted nobody want to have fun at night. And so it was a little bit of a fucking grind. And also... I, I I starved myself down to 225 pounds and wore a long sleeve shirt in the desert. So it was a brutal fucking job. Mm-hmm. So I flew directly from that location to the Con Air pre-production camp. And when I got there, the first thing I heard was blenders in the background. Oh, on this, I mean, had a whole oh, and I said, holy shit, people are making margaritas here. <laughs> and I walked in and, and instead of competing with 30 fucking bad guys, we we're all in the same yeah. fucking <laughs> movie. It's <like> 2 <laughs> man. <laughs> you know, it was one of my favorite movies because of all the people that were in it always could work together. Yeah. And so so all right, so now we are in and, and and we're getting wardrobe fittings, table readings and all this stuff. And we're having these makeup things. And people are getting these designing their own tattoos. They're saying, yeah, I want a black leopard on this one. And I want to, I want to skull and crossbones on this on. And I'm thinking, fuck man, I don't want to sit in a makeup chair every fucking." Day. So I, I'm going to, I got to get around this. And that got me thinking about how I could get around things. Mm-hmm. And by that point in my career, this is in 96. By that point, I'd been doing it long enough that I was not scared to try to put my ideas into motion. And so my idea was, that in the world, in this world of all these bad motherfuckers, I mean, we're talking about with, uh, some, I mean, murderers, rapists, kidnappers, all these terrible motherfuckers. And, of course, the worst one of all was what? The virus. Yeah, Cyrus. How about, how, how, how about foretelling that how that is, right? Oh, Cyrus, yeah. <laughs> the virus, was the worst out of all of it. And okay, so enough about the virus. So I, I, I decided to go a different way with it. So I said, just give me a marijuana leaf on the back of my hand. And they were like, really? that's oh, yeah, that's it. Okay. So the first day we were shooting, we shooting a scene where we got off a bus and I'm looking at the plane. And I'm looking at that, but I've already got my place now. I've got my backstory for who this guy is swamping. And I was like, okay, I'm looking at that plane like it's a naked woman laying on a waterbed. <laughs> and the director asked me, Simon West, God bless him, he asked me, he said, what, what's going on with your kid? What are you doing? And I, so I said, ran in by him. I said, this is a guy, he's not a fucking uh, murderer. He's not a killer. He's not a violent person at all. This guy flew his whole life when he was a kid. He started flying when he was a kid, took lessons. He flew he flew in the military. He flew in the oil fields. When that went down, he smuggled pot. When that went down, he started doing coke. He crashed, he's an escape. But he he wants to fly. He's not trying to escape. He's trying to fly the fucking plane, man. That's all <laughs> it's about. And he's a sidekick. Yeah, oh he's he's God. basically Cyrus's sidekick. Absolutely. Uh, Cyrus has recruited him to fly the fucking plane. Yeah. It's not a it's not a, a, a what a coincidence that he they found the pilot getting off that, but no, 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 no. He's, he's, he's going to fly the plane, but he, it's not about escaping. It's about flying. So, whenever anybody says some shit, like uh, a pinball, a wonderful fucking pinball says, Yeah, it's funny what you white people know. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> I mean, anytime <laughs> if somebody tried to insult me, Swamp Thing just laughed it off. He's fucking laughing and joking. So, now we're on the set. Now, I mean, this is a long shoot, and we're shooting in some fucking bad fucking place. We shot it in the salt flats in Wendover, Nevada. And it's a huge production. And it's like we got a hundred guys years coming to rust. We got all, just the whole uh, aerial units with multiple planes and helicopters. And so my concern was when I was a kid, there was a TV show called uh, Sky King. And it was a guy, a Western kind of thing. And he flew a plane and he always looked so fake when he flew the plane. It looked like he was driving a fucking pickup truck or something. When He looked out the window of the plane. I didn't go through want to go through the rest of my life having pilots, amateur and professional, come up to me going, I didn't believe you were flying. So I started buying drinks for the pilots on the aerial unit every night while everybody else was at the titty bar. I was buying drinks for pilots saying, "Okay, could one guy actually fly this C-123?" I mean, is that something? Well, you know, after I bought him a few drinks, they said, "Okay, we're going to live one here, boys." So they sort of got into it, and so they worked out a little routine of how I could pl- one person, one man, could fly the fucking plane. So I was armed with with the technique. I was armed with the desire to be real doing it, and I was I wanted to do. This is the last thing I have to say, but I wanted to do a tribute. To what Donald Sutherland did in Kelly's Heroes? Okay, if you know that movie, he's Donald Sutherland is the tanker, and he's got a beard, and he's, like, whoa, 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 whoa. and he's kind of a goofy fucking guy. It's like he's almost like he's stoned. It's World War II, but it's almost like he's stoned, and everybody else is fighting World War II, and he's he's hanging out with the tanker, all the tankers. So I wanted to be like that guy. I wanted to be—he he was Clint Eastwood's sidekick. I wanted to be like the sidekick. I'm a goofy so, Swamp Thing is completely not dangerous, never dead. And whenever there was going to be a battle, I would go to the director and I would say, Simon, you know, Swamp Thing would be on the plane. He'd be getting the, he'd be fooling with the plane. And he'd say, You're absolutely right. Your MC's wrapped. MC, you go back up to the hotel. So, I'm up at the hotel <laughs> in Wendover looking down over the salt flats. And you can see 10 miles down and they're blowing up shit, smoke's <laughs> coming up, machine guns. Up. And these guys, all my friends would come in at the end of the day. I'd be. Sitting there with a margarita and eat the joint in my mouth. They'd be like, "You're not even going to be in this fucking movie." I said, "What?" No, I said, "Don't worry about it. That's my problem, not yours." Because I knew if you've ever seen a, pl- a movie that's on a plane, they have to keep going to the co- fucking cockpit, or else you forget you're on a fucking plane. Yeah. <laughs> so I knew I, I knew my, where my my thing was going to be, and so you know I made it a point to just be a goofy fucking. At one point, after one of their battles, I reached as I'm getting on the plane. I saw one of the helmets lay in there. And I just picked that helmet up and carried it with me when I got on the plane. And Simon says, What's with the helmet? And I said, I'll show you later. So when we get around to the point where I'm, cr- I'm landing the plane, I said, But I call it crash. I reach out to my seat. I put that fucking helmet on. And literally, literally, defi- it was like the the peak moment of the whole goddamn experience for me was having that helmet that I stole and went over to Nevada in July available when we were doing the reships and the fucking thing. Yeah. So, so uh yeah so for me it was a a wonderful opportunity to do what I wanted to do and let everybody else be as mean and bad as they wanted to. And my only regret about it is, is that they cut my last line. They just my last line at the end of the movie when I'm laying on I've stolen the fire truck down. In the course of this movie I fly the plane, drive the, the, tra- the tractor and the fire truck and I'm laying on the ground and QX standing next to me looking down at me. And I'm improvised a line saying, this is my fucking luck. I get arrested by a cop with sandals. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it, didn't make, it didn't make the movie. But that's the only regret I have in, in a movie. and a job that long, if you come away with one regret, that's a win, you know?
0: That's such a shame. That's such a fantastic line, too.
1: Yeah. You know, I wish that would have made the movie. Yeah. Well, so I always say, if I, if I see the movie, I always say that line, yeah. But it was the most fun. Uh, I mean, I had so much fun. at Bruckheimer. Oh my God, a prince among uh, among men. I mean, when you're working on a Bruckheimer movie, he wants you to have a good time, and uh, no expense was spared. And uh, you know, in the some, some of the weirdest shit, Malkovich hated the fucking movie. He could be bitched about it every fucking day. This fucking bubble gum fucking popcorn fucking movie guy. Blah blah blah. And when I saw the movie, I'm like, you son of a bitch, you stole the fucking movie. He <laughs> walked. He stole the fucking movie. That's the- that's what he's you know the power of his abilities man he absolutely took that movie out of everybody else's hands and made it a movie about you know and I...
0: yeah I mean and that's that's kind of weird too that he didn't like that movie because I I mean I mean I guess it's not every every actor has their own personal preferences to, the preferences no no he's, to... uh,
1: he, he's uh, he, lives in Europe. he lives in France. He's an incredibly intellectual guy. At that time, he was about making his own movies, The Dancer Upstairs. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I mean, he's he, he makes international, directs international movies of his own. He this uh, he's and has a clothing line, has an amazing clothes men's clothing line. I mean, this guy's you know, he's, he's got other fish to fry than being a bad guy in that movie. But he, you know, he's when he wants to do it, like you look at in the line of fire.
2: Yeah. Wow, oh man. yeah.
1: Oh, my God. When he wants to break out of case, I'm a sick motherfucker. He can do it. Yeah. He just, I guess maybe he just wasn't in the mood on that one. And it, it could have been the sound of. You don't fish, to Fry, but You're thinking fish. fish. Yeah. I, I see, did I say he has another fish to cry? Yeah. Because he, <laughs> he, he was trying. He wanted to get some. He wanted me to help him. And I did my best. Because of a pre vegan years, I did my best. I had a friend who had the largest catfish farm in the world. And he wanted to import catfish to his place in France and put them in the pond because he thought catfish would be a great thing in France because they like cream sauces and the catfish is a great fish to put a cream sauce on. Mm-hmm. And so he did. I mean, that's what he's thinking about. He's not thinking about doing this fucking movie. He's thinking about, you he just know, what can he do to his pond, his property in France? Yes. Yeah, so, but uh, yeah, Con Air, man, absolutely so much fun. Not the most, the number one most fun is one I have to talk about is was club dread.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that was actually going to be one of the directions I wanted to go with, you know, with working with Jay, Chandra Sekar and the rest of those broken lizard guys, because
1: you those know, fucking club... idiots, those fucking maniac <laughs> fucking broken lizards, man. And the great, the, the great, uh, Sunday was uh, Bill Paxton's birthday
2: yeah. and
1: gone, uh, but gone, but not forgotten heart. I mean, it, but you
0: yeah, know, it was. Yeah. I mean, working with those guys, I mean, you know, you mentioned club dread that you were in that, and I, you had a little bit of a cameo in the beginning of beer fest. Um, oh yeah. But you know what? I, 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 I tell people this all the time. One movie that you are in with those guys that I think is so highly underrated is Dukes of hazard
1: yeah I, yeah not, know, a, not a not 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 thought of as a broken lizard movie no uh, not even at all though they all have parts in it yeah no, but uh yeah yeah no i uh once again a lot of fun well uh, you know you're working with willie you know you're gonna have a good time that's a good you know it's like that i was working with somebody i consider to be a saint in this business and that's bill Paxton. But and, and working with Willie on Dukes of Hazard was just uh, wonderful. I've done, I think, four things. I think I've done four different things with Willie. And he is just a fucking saint. And he wants to have a good time and wants everybody else to have a good time. And, uh, you know, but Club Dread was really special because I, my wife, my beautiful wife and I were on our honeymoon. And I said yes to this job. And we went to Mexico and shot it. And we had so much fun doing it in this incredible little resort on the West coast, of the Jalisco coast of Mexico, it's about halfway between Puerto Vallarta and Acapulco mm-hmm. on the Pacific ocean and that we had so much fun that a number of us went back every year. And I never go back to locations, but we would go back on Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving is a big slaughter holiday. And so we thought, let's get away from everybody talking about, uh, you know, every show's good, uh, cu- cu- slicing turkeys on every commercial. Let's get away. So we went back down to uh, Tamarindo and, uh, and Barra in Navidad, Mexico, and uh, Paxton and several several people in, involved in it. And we did that for a number of years on Thanksgiving. We they pack up all the kids, and, uh, and we go down and get on a boat and cruise up and down and go swimming up and down the coast. And, and it's all because of that. And when I met Clinton to Django, uh, uh, he he told me that he had written the part with me in mind. And I, 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 it's not that I didn't believe him. I just was like, wow. And what what made you think of that? And he said, Oh, I love what you did in Club Dread. Oh, that's I said, awesome. I, went, I said, You saw that movie? He said, Yeah. I said, I love that speech you give about getting in a knife fight with the, the lords of the gentleman and walking five miles with the thing. And he did my little speech from that. And at that time, I thought, man, I'm really special. I mean, that made me feel really special. I now know that Quentin sees everything, and he sees everybody, and he remembers every fucking thing. He is a goddamn uh, uh, unbelievable memory for every fucking thing. So uh, I should not have been surprised you seen. And then I later I called Jay Chandrasekhar to tell him, hey, man, Quentin Tarantino so come up there, he said, oh, I know, man, when we did Super Troopers, we met him at South Southwest, and he introduced us to everybody, and he was our champion. He took us all around, and so I was like, oh, of course he did. Of course he did. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, Broken Lizards, they play a big part in my life as friends and in my career uh, because, you know. And, uh, huh? And just general philosophy. And just general philosophy, <laughs> which is have some fucking fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean. When we were, one thing that happened on Club Dread is the international company that was putting up the money was thinking, was worried about the budget. And so they, were, they would, wanted to reshoot a scene, uh, uh, and the company wouldn't do it. They wouldn't give them the money. To, so on the weekend, we stole the camera and shot the scene. Any <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like they're, they're, they are there. And the thing I love is that I was afraid at the time that they're gonna, they are such good friends they all got to be working together because they were the only five guys in college, the college they went to, didn't know each other, but they all signed up for the comedy improv class. Mm-hmm. They are the five guys who showed up in college <laughs> and, they're still, and they're still working together now. Super Troopers 2, I think is one I would have killed to have been in that. I, I was doing a series in South Carolina and I could not get, I, I just wanted to just be part of it because it's such a great fucking movie, Super Troopers 2. Unbelievable movie. Yeah, and
0: you know, and Club Dread and Beer Fest and uh, oh, what's the other one that they did with um, with Michael Clark Duncan? Uh, um uh, Slam and Salmon, yeah, yeah. Slam and Salmon. That's it. Like they're, they're all fantastic movies, and you know, with Club Dread, I feel like you know it was the next one after Super Troopers, and you know i feel like it was automa- it automatically got that attention because of how successful super trooper was uh, super troopers yeah. was it,
1: it did it did and and the company that put gave them the money i think it was new line knew that they could give them 3.5 million dollars and they can make a movie and there was no risk involved because risk is what must be avoided in the film business at all costs right mm-hmm. risk they knew that they the loyal audience would they could get their uh, sell the dvds they could get their three and a half million dollars back and when they went to them and said we want to do uh, we want to do super troopers two for more money they said well, you will have to raise it yourselves and they did They raised, they crowdsourced it and raised it and made a movie and made a fucking killing because Super Troopers 2 made a lot of money.
0: Yeah, I backed the Kickstarter on Super Troopers 2 because I was one of those people. you now? I did. I I
1: knew there there was some other stuff about you
0: I really liked. Uh, bless you. I've been fans of those movies for a while too. So when I saw that they were doing a lot of that, you know, they they were doing the backing themselves. I was one of those people that, yeah, I wanted to see that just as much as anybody else did. So yeah, I was a backer of uh, Super Troopers 2.
1: Yeah, I, I, I was I was doing a series uh, in uh, South Carolina, and uh, it was it, I was so removed from everything that I I did I just was asleep in the switch. I wish I'd put some money in the fucking thing. of them. I, <laughs> I, I just knew I was. I told them I will act in it for nothing. Just let me get a let me get a week off. And I just I, I couldn't couldn't do it. But uh, yeah, I love the Broken Lizard man. Those guys are fucking great. Yeah, great stories. Like yeah, it's like if the Marx Brothers had been able to make the movies they wanted to make, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, going back to to Dukes
0: of Hazard real quick, and then there's one other movie yeah. I want to talk to you about before we we wrap up for today. But, um, you know, I you know, you, you mentioned working with Willie, and you know, when I first heard, I was a huge fan of the of the television show. I Unfortunately, I was so young when I watched it that I don't remember the one episode that you did, uh, <laughs> you know, but, uh, when I heard, nor
1: should you, nor should you, no, I'm not,
0: it was, it was just, just another
1: episode. That's all. Believe
0: me. Yeah, exactly. You know, but when they announced that the movie was being made and they hadn't made casting yet, I was one of those people that I said, you know what? I was like, I don't know who they're going to cast in these roles, but if they don't get Willie for uncle Jesse, they're making a uh-huh. grave mistake.
1: Yeah. You know, and... I, 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 I... Absolutely. I I felt the same way. And it, you know, I mean, you listen, when you start out with Knoxville and Sean, oh my fucking God. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, and Willie, you're all, you're already there. And and my beloved uh our, our our my godfather, our our fucking great friend Bert as uh as boss I mean, yeah. It, it was an amazing thing and, and Warner Brothers did not want me to play that part. They wanted James best or oh, they wanted me to do James Best thing.
2: Ooh,
1: yeah. They wanted me to do that, and I wouldn't do it. And I told Jay I won't do it. And he said, no, just, you know, we, we have too much respect for James Best did to just do a cop. I decided to make my, my sheriff or whatever his name was. What's his name? I forget Roscoe. His name. Roscoe. Roscoe, Roscoe yeah. yeah. I decided to make my Roscoe just a disgusting, fat, fucking pig cop. <laughs> I mean, I, I got the, I had the, the biggest gun, the silver on the hat, silver on the boots is every fucking thing about it. You know, just trying, I modeled him after this sheriff. that used to hassle me all the time in Mississippi and uh, I just wanted him to be a disgusting, hate, loathsome son of a bitch and let everybody else, you know, carry the comedy, you know, the, the, the comedy. Cause uh, that's what it was about. him. And, and when I, at one point I had to make it real and my manager wanted me to put a scene from the Deuce of hazard on there so i went and found i found a a latin a latino uh version from hbo latin Mm -hmm. where my voice had been dubbed in in spanish and i put that on my table (laughs) the guy who did did my voice in that was was disgusting i was it was great so uh yeah it's uh, it's a good movie and uh man I had a lot of fun doing that one and, and you know, once again another really big fucking production, man. Yeah. Big production. And uh my, one of my favorite things was sitting on Willie's bus with a whole group of people and uh joints were being passed around and <laughs> I tried to pass the joint to uh to uh Daisy Duke and uh, she said, oh, I don't smoke pot and I looked at her, I said, Are you breathing in and out right now, man? Because <laughs> You, 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 who's that talking to Willie you can't tell that's Burt Reynolds and that's all you can't tell because he's smoking something <laughs> God's but she laughed her ass off and I realized that she's a great kid and she also was pretty stoned in the moment you know I don't smoke it but I will breathe in and out on his breath. but I, I, I'm fucking saying I mean it, it's like uh, we, we love Willie so much my wife's birthday is on ground on day and I'm uh, sorry, my beautiful wife's birthday is on Groundhog Day, and uh, uh, we we were celebrating her birthday, had a big party and uh, with Willie and Bert uh, uh, on uh, on her birthday during that production. And then the next year, when it was her birthday, we were back in L.A. and Willie came and he was playing the club. So we all we all Jay and Samson, we all, all of us went out and celebrated her birthday. With and next year, I was doing a movie in Albuquerque, New Mexico, on her birthday, and she was there. And we came out of our hotel, and Willie's bus was parked in the parking lot. <laughs> he, was, he was performing at some casino in Albuquerque. So for three years in a row, we celebrated her birthday. It started on 42. And what? It was her 42nd birthday. Yeah, it started on the 42nd birthday. Yeah, 42. Yeah, which you know rem- reminds me just we're having such a good time here, but it just reminds me that on 420 this year. April twentieth, four twenty, the uh, death count was at forty two thousand and forty
0: three. Yeah, it's you know it's it's a rough time in not just uh, you know I, a lot of people say it's a rough time in the country, but it's a rough time in the world because it's, it's world, you know it's a worldwide pandemic that we're all we're all trying
1: to get through together, it
0: and it's you know it's and it's every,
1: and, and nothing's ever going to be the same. I mean, no, if we're going to go on all. and we're going to keep being happy, but it's like you know nine eleven chains flying. You know, you, you, I remember I used to go to an airport and just walk in and people would go and you'd take somebody to catch a plane and, and you'd say goodbye to them at the gate or you'd meet them at the gate. I mean, you know, there's shit, there's a lot of shit that's going to change. And uh, uh, hopefully the next time one comes down the fucking path, we'll, we'll have somebody who won't be asleep at the switch and we can actually uh, be ready for it and do, and do some smart shit for a change.
0: Yeah, I, and, I uh, agree and- 100%.
1: Yeah, and it, it just saying 42 just reminded me of that because that's what Douglas Adams said. What's the meaning of life? 42 in Hitchhiker's Guide. So, uh, in the, uh, uh, lest we lest we be accused of just laughing and joking in the and forgetting our forgetting ourselves. Uh, I am talking to you uh, from my home that I cannot leave, and you are. I'm sure when you have people on you, you're all practicing safety. Social oh, I every
0: system. everything I do is either via phone conversations, Skype, or Zoom. So it's you know we're practicing. that's pretty
1: safe, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: that's that sex right there, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. And and can I just say how much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I had no idea you could put Skype and, and Zoom on one computer. Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> so so uh, as we're wrapping up, what 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 did you say for last? We're going to talk about Lost another time, but what uh, I hope I didn't use up all your time. No, but, no, uh, no.
0: It's, it's fine. And uh, I'm actually thinking to myself, there's so much more I could talk to you about. So I, I want to bring up one more movie, but I'm kind of hoping, you know, even, you know, we're going to talk about Lost on the Lost podcast, but I'm kind of hoping maybe sometime down the road, I can have you back on again and we can just talk about a bunch of other any stuff Anytime
1: you want to Ben, i'm going to give you my number and you call me you can leave the manager out of it that poor woman's got enough to do with, <laughs> trying to trying to keep trying to do what she does i'll give you my number you call me and we'll work out of time i'll be glad to talk to you ben. i i appreciate- this is a lot of i enjoy this it's just fun man yeah it's fun man. to talk to
0: and you know what you know in the time that we're in right now people need other stuff to kind of keep their mind yeah. off of everything that's going on which is why i love doing yeah. stuff like this and i love talking to people like you well and- i
1: i i always i always enjoy uh what happens you know letting people know what happens what's behind the scenes you know if there's somebody that really lost con air and they're gonna take that they're gonna say holy shit man yeah that's uh, this is that here's just some inside dope on what was going on in con air you know, I mean, uh, it's like uh, it, I, I, I will enjoy talking to you about anything you want to talk about on any subject. And one of these days we'll talk about sports because I saw you had Jack O'Halloran on there. I know I you're did. a sports fan. Yeah. I know you're a sports fan, baby. Yeah, man. <laughs> I got to tell you, my friend, my friend Charlie Hallahan, uh, who was, as I told you, you got to Google Charlie Hallahan. You got to Google him. You need to know about him, Ben. He was a great Philadelphia guy. He, uh, he had a number of heart attacks. And one of the first one was in 1983. It was on April 8th, which is the anniversary of the day I got out of the Army in 1970. And he and I used to get drunk on the anniversary every year. We were getting drunk. And he had his first heart attack, and he had quintuple bypass. And the day he had his quintuple bypass surgery was the day Moses Malone won the NBA championship for the 70s. (laughs) And when he woke up, his wife and I were standing next to the bed. And he said, hey, honey, I love you, darling. And he looked at me and said, what happened? I just, Moses brought the ring. Oh, man. he started in our crying. Cry. <laughs> <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> but the kid, did Doc get his ring, man? That's all that mattered. I lived through the surgery. quintuple bypass. Did Doc get his ring? I said, Moses got the ring for him, baby. Don't you worry. <laughs> so, uh, we. We can go deep in some Philadelphia uh, sports talk sometime too, bro.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and I want to say real quick before we jump into this last movie, you yeah. you automatically scored. You, you, again, this is already one of my favorite <clears> conversations <throat> I've had uh, over the course ah. of you know six seasons of this podcast. This is in my top right
1: now just because I've I love so I much. Appreciate, so I, much fun. I appreciate that, and we'll do it some more, Mark. We'll do it some more because you are, you are a lot of fun to talk to. But, you, are, you generally you genuinely love movies oh, and you so genuinely much. love if they're important to you and yeah. that's uh, i i that's what that's what I care about. you're fun to talk to and you care about what we're talking about, no matter how silly it is Yeah. so a lot of what I, a lot of what I'm saying is silly shit, but it's still we care because we care about movies exactly and and broken lizard
2: and willing and that's lizard right. yes yep. yes.
0: Um, but I I want to say too, um, you you touched a special place with me too when you mentioned forty two and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, because that is, you know you know Douglas Adams that's
1: one of my favorite books. It's, yeah, it's an important, a great book, great movie, and uh, uh, and yeah, it's funny. Uh, we'll get back to this on loss. Hold this, hold that thought. Okay. And when we get, to, we're talking about Lost because forty two figures in prominently, not just as one of the numbers but 42 figures prominently in what I was trying to do in that. So hold okay. on to that thought, buddy. All right. Uh, now so you I... wanted to say something about Kevin Durant. What do you want to say about <laughs> so, Kevin
0: Durant? So that was what I was going to bring up to wrap up this conversation is All I right. want to talk about Wild Hogs because that, again, oh, okay. is such a wonderful movie, you know, from, the, from the cast, you know, obviously Tim Allen yeah. – uh, you know, yeah. Martin Lawrence, uh, you know, yeah. everybody that William H. Macy. Everybody. The great
1: the Macy, the great Ray Liotta yeah. and, and Kevin and Kevin. Oh, my God. Kevin Durant, one of the <laughs> funniest, uh, one of the funniest fucking people I've ever worked with. And which is really ironic because we're there. We got two of the great comics of our time, Tim Allen and Martin Larch, both of great famous comics. But when you want to know who cracked the fucking people up, whenever we're sitting around drinking beer and Kevin Durant, <laughs> a fucking comic genius, man. I love that fucking I, kid. He's I, great. I have
0: no doubt about that. I have actually had Kevin on my podcast twice before. Um, Whoa. Well, there you go. Then you know. Oh, yeah. He was so much. I mean, it was one of the reasons why I had him back on. He was so much fun to talk to. And you're right. Like he we we had him on to talk about the first time was talking about The Strain, which was that movie he did on FX. Uh, And and then there was another movie that he was the star of um, that. I'm trying to remember exactly what it is.
1: It'll come back to Anyway, go ahead,
0: go ahead. Yeah, but I mean, he was so much fun to talk to when we had him on. And then when I knew I was having you on, I went back and I rewatched Wild Hogs. And I had completely forgot that Kevin was in Wild Hogs. And I got to that scene with with your character Mustard and
1: ketchup. Yes, Uh
0: I got to the mustard and ketchup scene. And I started laughing even harder because it made me realize, I'm like, holy shit, Like I'm talking to MC later on. But I've talked to Kevin too. I completely forgot these two were side by side in that scene oh, together. man.
1: We were, we were the we were the two idiots, the two idiots in that gang, man. They was <laughs> fucking a uh, And which was really funny because uh we, you know Kevin is so fucking funny and uh, uh and he's such a great actor that he can he can underplay and underplay stupid. When people play stupid, they it's like playing drunk. When actors do it, they, the, the, the mistake is you do too much. And uh, he doesn't do too much. He just plays really fucking stupid. Yeah, he and we're does doing, so well. We're doing that fucking scene and we're trying to decide who gets the mustard, who gets the ketchup. And I said, Well, I said, Kevin, how do you feel about mustard? He says, I, I don't like mustard.
2: I said, How do you feel about
1: ketchup? He said, Well, I ain't crazy about ketchup. And I said, You got to ketchup, man, because I like mustard. I couldn't eat mustard for six months after that. I had it up my nose, I had it in my ears. I, mean, I had so much. Fucking mustard, it was fucking ghastly. But Kevin Kevin Duran can make you can break any tension any time. And there was there was tension on that set. Well I have to tell you just since you love the movie so much. I want to say something about John Travolta. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, a lot of people a lot of people have shit to say about John. But he did one thing that anybody else ever do, any other star ever do. He made Disney. Yeah, here we are again, another Disney movie. He made Disney hire the best caterer in the business. I've only seen this caterer one time. It was on that movie. And they were the best. They We had lobsters, but pretty vegan. We had lobsters in the desert. We shoot in the fucking desert. It was 100 fucking degrees. We had, they didn't go out and buy pies at night at the store. They made pies. I mean, <laughs> the food was incredible because he wanted the crew to be well-fed and happy. And he never ate a meal on that truck. He had a chef cooking for him because he was trying to stay relatively skinny. He did that. He made he do that knowing that he wasn't going to eat one mouthful of that food because he cared whether or not the crew was having a good time too. That's awesome. Yeah, It was just an, an amazing thing, an amazing gesture to do. And I, I met John before uh, through an, another movie I did, but I, I just was so overcome with that. It was like, that's a sweet thing, and if I ever get to be the guy that can make the studio do something, I'm gonna make them take care of the crew and make them feed feed the crew well too. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I've done a couple of movies with his wife, so I, that's why I met him before. But he's just he's just a really a really great guy, really great guy. And uh, you know, it, it, it's a funny thing because Tim Allen was a lost fucking fan big time and he kept working me trying to find out what, what's going on and i and I, I, I couldn't tell him i couldn't i wouldn't tell him what i did know and i couldn't tell him very much and that's the last thing i'm going to say we'll pick that up on our wall <laughs> I didn't
0: know shit, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, again, that's, that's, it's such a great movie. There's so many great lines in that movie. I mean, you know, yeah. talking about Kevin again, real quick. I mean, there's that scene, you know, in that, all in that scene with you guys at that festival when you start, you know, when you say, like, do you expect me to pay for this piss warm beer.
2: And, yeah, and yeah. Kevin
0: steps up, you know, if we drink piss, we drink it cold. And it's like, it's
2: so ridiculous. Yeah,
1: yeah no, and, 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 and he, he brought out something in Ray Liotta that wasn't really in the script. I mean, when he, the one time he says, yeah, well, he's going to bed. the balls, are going to slap us in the finish, weave the balls, weave the ball. And, and yeah. Ray would just look at him like, you're
2: so fucking
1: stupid. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, it's really fucking wonderful. And a great cast too, the Sklar brothers. Yeah. Fucking hysterical. My old friend Steve Tobolowski and I did plays together uh, back in the 70s. We started out together in town. I mean, we uh, he directed a movie called Two Idiots in Hollywood. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I haven't. It, 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 you got You got you to find it. It's out there somewhere. Two Idiots in Hollywood uh, with an amazing cast. Uh, and all of us were unknown at the time. It was a play that we did in L.A. An equity waiver production we did for almost a year, and somehow the, they got the money and we shot the movie. And and uh, yeah, great uh, Stephen Tobolowski. And uh, yeah, I mean just amazing. And and oh my God, leading uh, uh, lady. lady uh, uh, oh, oh my Marissa, God, Marissa Tomei. Marissa Tomei, yes. Oh my God. I mean, you know, what a fucking cast. I mean, it really was. And uh, and it's a funny thing because the producer on that was a guy named Matt Tolan. hmm. Just, just Michael Jordan miniseries. And he's this fucking Philadelphia guy. He brought me in last year because he's doing a documentary on Richie mm-hmm. Allen. And he brought me in because he, he knew we were doing my vlogs. I would sit on the set and talk to him about the 64 Phillies collapse, the 13th inning, Chico Ruiz go home, and they, they wait seven games to play, on and on and on and on. And so, um, yeah, another great connection. Mike Tolan huh. produced our thoughts. That's awesome. That's so, uh,
0: that's so great. I mean, again, like, MC, I'm so happy that you and I, like, again, you're somebody I've been a fan of for such a long time. I'm so happy that I got the opportunity to talk to you uh-huh. about.
1: Uh, the pleasure was mine, my friend. Now I'm going to say goodbye now, even though I'm not going to hang up because you're <laughs> going to come back on after you say goodbye. So don't <laughs> let him fool your audience. <laughs>
2: I'm, I'm gonna...
0: Bye. Uh, nice talking to you, man. <laughs> All right, that's so much. Um, I I really don't know how to how to end that. So I will just say if you. <laughs> If you really, if you want to hear the continuation of this conversation about Lost, we're going to continue it on the on the what uh, we have to go back Lost Revisited podcast. Check that out in, in over the next one or two episodes. It'll be one of those episodes. Uh, MC, thank you so much for joining me again. And I'm not here. I'm gone. Okay, you're gone. Uh, <laughs> make sure you check out all the other great podcasts on the Next Level Podcast Network. And until next time, we'll see you guys down the road. Take care.